Hello and welcome to Murder in the Central Valley. To outsiders, the Central Valley might seem slower paced and sleepy. It's not unusual to get stuck behind a tractor on a back road, or see an occasional fruit stand amidst the farms. You definitely can escape the hustle and bustle of city life, but with places like San Francisco being so close to the north and Los Angeles on the south, migration of people trying to escape and raise a family in a safer, quieter community has really changed the landscape over the last 20 years. Tesla cars intermingle with clunky old gas guzzlers. It's kind of a rich man, poor man mentality. This scenario brought the media, in droves, to Modesto, about an hour and a half south of Sacramento. It's 2003, and the news people are knee-deep in probably the biggest story of their careers. The soap opera that was the disappearance and murder of Lacey Peterson. In August, while husband and prime suspect, Scott Peterson was in the Stanislaus County Jail awaiting the trial of the century, a few miles away, a 25-year-old single mother, also named Lacey, perhaps in a smaller tax bracket, is murdered without any of the fanfare. The information contained in this podcast is obtained from online sources. All people reported on here are innocent until proven guilty. Most of these crimes have been through the court system and the suspects are either dead or tucked away safely in prison. Due to graphic content, viewer discretion is advised. This week. Dead and Forgotten. Modesto's Other Lacey. An arch in downtown Modesto reads, Water, Wealth, Contentment, Health. A statue a few blocks away in honor of George Lucas, who grew up here, left and went on to make some small movies. Seems like a quaint reflection of its past. Modesto would be the backdrop for several high-profile cases in the last 20 years. The north side of town is where Chandra Levy resided before moving to Washington, D.C. and becoming Congressman Gary Condit's intern. Later disappearing and found dead in Rock Creek Park, in D.C. That incident alone brought a decent amount of national media to cover the story. But that would be small potatoes compared to December 2002, when a pregnant Lacey Peterson went missing on Christmas Eve. Hordes of media flocked here and were here for nearly an entire year. By August 2003 prosecutors and defense attorneys were arguing a change of venue for the Peterson trial. News crews from across the country lined the streets in front of the courthouse and at Scott and Lacey's house. The 23rd of August 2003, just a few miles away, Lacey Ferguson and her boyfriend, John, were on a date. At about 1 a.m. now the 24th, the two dropped by a quick-stop convenience store on Paradise Road for a pack of cigarettes. At that same time 31-year-old David Aguilar, a lifelong member of the Nortanos, was cruising around looking for a rival gang member to shoot. No one in particular, just anyone. David, who had been booked into jail 33 times before, finally, found his prey. Rival gangbanger Adrian Cervantes sitting in his car. At the same time, Lacey and John had just exited the store and paused in front of Adrian's car. Aguilar, and another male, drove through the lot slowly. He took aim and started shooting at his target. Adrian was shot twice, once in the lower abdomen and once in the buttocks and survived, John was shot in the arm, but Lacey was struck in the head. When paramedics arrived, she was dead, 
they revived her and transported her to the hospital where she again died, and was revived once again. But sadly, the next day, Lacey Marie Ferguson was declared brain dead. It was her daughter Haley's third birthday. Local media gleaned over it. But the crush of national journalists in Modesto, at the time, kept their focus on the Peterson saga. And the murder of the young mother, sadly, faded into the ether. The case went unsolved for over a decade. In the meantime, let's get to know Lacey Ferguson. She was born near Los Angeles in 1978 with Turner's Syndrome. A sex chromosome disorder. Doctors said she would never survive infancy. She pushed through. After her mother, Bonnie, got divorced, she moved Lacey, and her two brothers, to Modesto for a slower-paced life. Bonnie feared the gang violence in L.A. Growing up, Lacey was an excellent student and loved school. She was in the Girl Scouts, in the Navy League and the Sea Cadets. Doctors said she would never survive adolescence, she pushed on. Her mother never told her that Turner's syndrome could be fatal. Lacey did her own research, and was mad at her mother for not telling her the facts of her disease. But life was good. Lacey, eventually, moved away with her boyfriend. They thought because of her syndrome that she could never get pregnant. They were wrong. In 1999 she learned she was going to be a mother. Her boyfriend didn't want to be a father so Lacey broke up with him and moved back to Modesto. In August 2000, she gave birth to a miracle baby, daughter Haley. Lacey took to being a mother well and loved every minute of it. These were the happiest days for Lacey, mother Bonnie, and stepdad Jack. All this would come to an end in the early morning hours of August 24th with a loud knock at their door. It was one of Lacey's friends, frantic and telling Bonnie and Jack about the shooting. Jack quickly drove to the scene, cops held him back as he helplessly watched paramedics doing CPR on Lacey. Investigators knew it was gang-related almost immediately, but the fact that most gang members have a target on their backs to begin with, it could have been any number of rivals. Not only did the trail go cold, but it was cold from the start. Lacey's mother, Bonnie Dryskill, was forced to wait and wait. What is a mother to do when their son or daughter is killed and has to wait for justice? She, Chandra Levy's mother Susan, and another victim's stepmom started Wings of Protection, a victim's advocacy group. Little did anyone know that the very man that killed her daughter had been deported to Mexico. A year after the murder, little Haley picked a dandelion. She blew on it and made a wish. And that wish was to have her mommy come home from heaven. Later on, she had to switch schools because she went to school with the kids of gangbangers and they made fun of her because of what happened to her mom. While the 24-hour coverage of the Lacey Peterson murder was making it difficult for the DA to prosecute Scott. Dryskill had to seek out media attention all alone. She appeared on various cable news programs to get the word out. Nothing seemed to help. In 2014, Bonnie worked with the DA to reopen the case and have the Stanislaus County Sheriff's Office turn it over to the DA's cold case unit. In February 2014, they named David Aguilar a suspect, but he was in Mexico. They issued an arrest warrant and Mexican authorities arrested him and held him. The process to bring Aguilar back to Modesto took two years. Bonnie was elated. She said this felt like part two.
and she will be there for its arraignment. She wouldn't even call him human. The trial lasted five weeks. Witnesses said David and his friend were intent on shooting any rival gang member that night. In the end David Aguilar was found guilty of first-degree murder with a gun, two counts of attempted murder with a gun and three counts of shooting at an occupied house or vehicle along with various enhancements for each count. In 2018 Aguilar was sentenced to 61 years to life plus two additional consecutive life terms in state prison for his role in the murder of Lacey Ferguson and the shootings of John Ritchie and Adrian Cervantes. Today, Haley is 21. She says she has no memories of her mother. Bonnie has moved out of California. Lacey's final resting place is the series Memorial Park. Her gravestone reads, to the world you were just one person, but to us, you are the world, we will always love you. And that's the story of Modesto's other Lacey. Next time. An out-of-state woman tries to ditch her stalker by secretly moving to Turlock. A resourceful abusive ex tracks her down with deadly intentions. Don't miss, you can run, but you can't hide, next week. On Murder in the Central Valley. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you liked what you've heard, leave a comment down below, and tell a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, mitcvyoutube.com. You can also listen at murderinthecentralvalley.com. And if you have a case you think I should cover, email me at murderinthecentralvalley at gmail.com. Hope to see you next time. Thank you.